world encountering Jesus, and so we're meeting some of the people that Jesus uh, met in the course of his public ministry. And so today our text comes from Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 17. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and flip over there. I want to begin just with a quick word um, from Richard Nabure. You say, who in the world is that? Richard Nabure was a theologian. I believe he was German uh, back in the 1930s, 1940s, first half of the 20th century. And uh, Richard Nabure, actually I'm reading one of his books with one of my classes right now, and uh, he excoriated the liberal uh, evangelical church of his day uh, for doing what he called um, basically selling a Jesus that was untrue to the text, uh, basically passing off on, uh, on the, the population at large a Jesus who really didn't uh, demand um, that he be the one and only way to heaven. And so he excoriated the church of his day for that. And so what we're going to see today is a statement that the Apostle Peter makes, and it's, it's perhaps the largest statement in all of the Gospels, aside from anything that Jesus himself said, um, that tell and define exactly who Jesus is. Okay, So we're going to read this monumental statement that the Apostle Peter makes together. Matthew chapter 16, if you have your Bibles, let's stand together for the reading from God's Word. And again, we stand each and every week to remind, to be reminded that this is where truth comes from, that God's word is the final word on all opinions, uh, that no opinion uh, that you read on Facebook or that you hear on the radio or anything like that matters like God's opinion matters. At the end of the day, it's what God thinks, and we don't have to wonder what God thinks because he wrote it down. So let's read together from Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 17, and we'll read this monumental statement that Peter makes. Okay, here we go. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. You may be seated. Thank you so much. I just want to walk through these verses together. Let's start at verse 13 where we began reading. It says that Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi. Now we have a map for you here. Caesarea Philippi was a town that sat in the north, north of the Sea of Galilee. You can see the Sea of Galilee there at the bottom of the map. And so Caesarea Philippi um, sat north of there. Um, so they, this is kind of the region where Jesus uh, conducted most of his public ministry during the three years uh, that he was out preaching and teaching. And so he extended his reach all the way up north to Caesarea Philippi on this occasion. And it says that Jesus asked his disciples, hey, look, I've been traveling around performing these miracles. People are talking about me. Who do people say that I am? And so they responded, verse 14, some say that you are John the Baptist. Remember, John the Baptist had had his head cut off uh, probably some years earlier prior to this. Um, just prior to or just after Jesus had begun his public ministry. And so some people say, well, this is John the Baptist back to life. That's what this is. Others say that you're Elijah, one of the Old Testament prophets. Other people say that you're Jeremiah, another of the Old Testament prophets. And other people just say, well, you're a prophet from the Old Testament. So it has sort of come back to life somehow. Verse 15, but what about you, Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? And so then Peter responds, here's the big statement. Verse 16, Peter answered and said, you are the Christ the Son of the living God. Now that word Christ comes from the Greek word Christos, which is a direct translation from the Hebrew word Messiah. So Christos and Messiah are one and the same word. One's Greek, one's Hebrew. 
it means the same thing. The Messiah was the person that the Jewish people have been looking forward to since the time of Abraham, around 2000 BC, who would come and deliver God's people. And so they have been looking for this Savior for 2,000 years. God had fulfilled the two promises, the first two promises he made to Abraham. They're waiting for this third one to be fulfilled. And so the Jewish people have been anticipating this Messiah to come for many, many centuries now. And so, he, so Peter, Peter, Peter says that you are that person, Jesus. You're the Christos. You're the Messiah, the anticipated one. You say, Gordon, well, that's really nice that Peter said this, but I've heard people say before, some skeptics of the Bible say before, that Jesus himself never made this claim about himself. Like he, he himself never said, yeah, I'm indeed the Messiah. Um, well, those people that say that would be biblically ignorant. That's what they would be. A um, couple of verses of Scripture here um, that show that Jesus was indeed, um, that Jesus himself claimed this. Verse 17, we just read a moment ago, it says, Then Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. This was not revealed to you by man. This was revealed to you by my Father in heaven. In other words, you didn't get this from reading one of Gordon's sermons. You didn't get this from uh, watching something on TV. You didn't get this from reading a theological book. You didn't get this from some rabbi out there. <clears throat> this information that you just shared, that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, you got that information directly from the throne in heaven, which is a way for Jesus to put an exclamation point on the end of Peter's statement to say in the affirmative, absolutely, I am exactly who um, <clears throat> you have declared I am. Jesus accepts the identification as Messiah. You say, well, Gordon, so Jesus doesn't rebuff the this, this identification, but maybe it's like the only time in Scripture that he ever said, oh, yeah, I agree, this is exactly who I am. Well, again, biblical ignorance fall, uh, comes. Uh, and in fact, Jesus many times accepted this identification as Messiah. Matthew chapter 26, verse 63, for example, he's standing trial before the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was kind of like our legislative branch, our executive branch, and our judicial branch all wrapped up into one. This was the legislative body that ruled the Jewish people, the nation of Israel. And so the Sanhedrin comes together, and Jesus is on trial before him. The high priest Caiaphas is conducting this trial. And so Caiaphas, uh, right before Jesus' crucifixion, the night before, he says to Jesus, with all the TV cameras rolling, I mean, this is as high a public on record event as you could possibly have and Caiaphas asks him verse 63 I charge you under oath by the living God tell us are you the Christ are you the Christos the Messiah are you the one verse 64 Jesus says yes it is as you would say in other words you have stated it correctly sir verse 65 then the high priest tore his robes and said he has spoken blasphemy you all heard it. Mark chapter 15 and verse 2, just a few hours later, Jesus is at the home of Pilate. He's on trial again, but this time before the Roman uh, governor. And so Pilate asks him, he says, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus says, yes, it is as you say. John chapter 4, Jesus is talking to a woman at the well. And uh, he's having a conversation with this woman. And at the end of that conversation, she says, verse 25, I know, the I know that Messiah, that is called Christ, is coming when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then listen to Jesus' response to her. He says, verse 26, Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. That is, that Messiah that you just talked about. And finally, there are others, but this is the last one that I'll point to. John chapter 10 and verse 31. Um, again, the Jews picked up stones to stone Jesus. And Jesus responded to them, verse 32, For which of the miracles that I have performed do you stone me? Uh, for which of these kindnesses of healing somebody who couldn't walk, of, of, of causing of the, the 
the blind to be able to see, of which of these kindnesses do you stone me? For which of these do you stone me? Verse 40, 33, we're not stoning you for any of these miracles, Jesus. We're stoning you for blasphemy because you, a mere man, claim to be God. The point is, the people of the first century knew exactly who Jesus was claiming to be. It's just that you've got some 21st century skeptics sitting in their office, surrounded by their books of other skeptics, who just are biblically ignorant and who are wanting to drive this thing to a conclusion that they want, but that the Bible will not allow. And so they're just biblically ignorant. They've been reading too much of Time Magazine and fake news. That's what's happening there. The fact is, Jesus, I was supposed to get a little chuckle, but anyway, that's, that, I laughed when I wrote it. But anyway, the fact is, Jesus was claiming to be Jehovah God, wrapped in human flesh, the God-man, the Messiah of Israel, the one and only Savior of the world. This is how Jesus defined himself, and so it is incumbent upon us to define Jesus the same way to a watching world, okay? Look, if people want to resist Jesus, well, take a number, right? Been doing it for, since he's walked on this earth. If people want to reject Jesus, I mean, that's their prerogative. We cannot change people's rejection of Jesus. If people want to renounce him and reproach him, that is their point of personal privilege. But the one thing we cannot allow people to do is to redefine who Jesus is. Friends, Peter got it right. You are the Christ, the Christos, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And this is where we must take our stand for Christ. And this is where we must be willing to suffer for Christ. And we must be willing to die if necessary for Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Now, if Jesus is the Messiah, God wrapped in human flesh, there's a then that follows. So if Jesus is who he claimed to be, and he did claim it, then that means that everything else Jesus said is true. And one of the things Jesus said that was true was that he was the one and only way to eternal life in heaven. That he was the exclusive way. John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one, no one, that's an exclusive statement. No one comes to the Father. Where's the Father? He's on his throne in heaven, right? That's where he is. No one comes to heaven. No one comes to the Father but through me. Friends, if we share that with people, they will be offended. And this is the offense of the cross. It's the exclusivity of Jesus as the one and only way to eternal life in heaven. And if we say this to friends, uh, if we say this to people, they will push back. Uh, but nevertheless, we have to say it. All right. Um, that's as far as we want to go with our text for today. And so it means it's time for us to ask our most important question, which is, what difference does all this make to my life? Um, you say, you know, Gordon, I got bills to pay, I got kids to get off, I got uh, to, to school, or well, not school, but I got, we wish, some of us, I got kids to get off to, uh, to ball practice, I got things going on, groceries to shop for, summer plans to be made. I mean, that's great that Peter made the statement. I agree with the statement, but I mean, how does that impact where I'm living day in and day out? Well, that's a really great question. Let's see if we can answer that question. You know, I heard some really bizarre comments uh, this past week. I was riding down the road on the radio, and it came from a young lady named Katy Perry. Some of you may be familiar with Katy Perry. Some of you may be familiar with some of her music. But anyhow, she's been out there in culture for a while, and she says a lot of bizarre things, and this was not uh, an exception. 
And I believe that she was on the show The View this past week. I don't know if some of y'all heard this in the news or not. Could be wrong about The View thing. But anyway, she was, I heard her comments through the radio, and she was babbling on about some stuff. And then she said something to the effect of, why can't we all just get along? It was this whole coexist uh, value system that she was espousing. Like she was really pushing this idea of, you know, if people in the world would just agree to disagree and we could all just get along in the world and, you know, I don't have to be right and, and you don't have to be right and we'll just all move through the world in a loving way. And um, that was really the value system that she was espousing. Now, friends, if you teach and if you share what Jesus just said here, the exclusive, that he's the one and only way to heaven, nobody's getting to heaven but through him. Friends, you go out there and shit. That doesn't sound like, hey, let's all just get along and you're okay and I'm okay. That's an exclusive statement that Jesus made. And because of that, if we go around making those kind of statements, people will be offended. When we preach that people are hopelessly under God's judgment, when we tell them that they are entirely powerless to fix themselves, that no amount of education, that no amount of money, that no amount of religious activity, that no amount of goodwill that they do toward others, that no amount of any of this stuff... Uh, that none of it will help them get into heaven, that will offend people. And when we tell them that Jesus is the one and only remedy for their sin problem in this world and that the other religions of the world are false and that the pursuit of those will land those people in hell, friends, people will be offended. It's just going to happen because you're making an exclusive statement. Katy Perry and others want for us all to just get along and they're not going to go along with us saying that Jesus is the one and only way to heaven. And they'll push back against us for saying it. The Apostle Paul experienced this kind of pushback. He writes Galatians chapter 5 and verse 11. Brothers, that is fellow Christians, he says, if I am still preaching circumcision, that is the thing that everybody was okay with, and this idea of staying under the law. He said, if I'm still teaching the message that's, that's, that's palatable for the